Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Encouraging Word Podcast. Uh, my name is Stephen Young, I'm the Youth Director of Rocky River United Methodist Church, and with me is Paul Bennett, the Associate Pastor here at Rocky River United Methodist Church. And if you're listening to this, you probably know that already. Uh, but maybe just in case you have any first-time listeners out there, which would be awesome. Um, with every podcast, we usually start off with a fit segment, which is something that is funny, interesting, or thought-provoking, or or it could be all three at the same time, you know. And hopefully, just this reminds me of, uh, well, we'll get to it. Actually, let's get to it right now. My fit segment is VBS. So, um, in VBS, they do God sightings. So, it just kind of reminds me, like, if you have a fit, it's just like a God sighting. And God sighting is like, if we see God somewhere during the day, we um, you note it in your head. And then you come back to your group leader and you talk about how you saw God that day. Um, and we probably should do like fit segments like that, right? You think we should? Yeah. I, every time you, or ever since you brought up God sightings and trying to see God, my mind's been on <laughs> you dressed up as Jesus today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't that was... find you right? <laughs> find Jesus when it was time for you to <laughs> right. go on stage. Yeah. Right. Quinn like busted into like the room where I was in like deer in a headlights like. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was literally just before I was going to get on stage. Yeah. Like, I got it. I got it. Jesus was nowhere. Yeah. To be <laughs> it's a BC, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's uh, for my fit. It'd be VBS. I'm running games, and it's been a whole lot of fun. The kids absolutely love games, and they just come out, and they're pretty wound up. My last group is pretty crazy, um, but it's fun. Um, it's just fun to have the kids just getting all their energy out and in a really fun, safe environment, and um, and I'm recording this just before the last day, and our last day is going to be water games, so it's I'm going to get absolutely drenched. I know that for a fact, and I can't swim, so. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, it'd be the first ever recorded drowning on the side lawn of the church. Yeah. <laughs> right, they're going to throw so many wet sponges at me. I'm yeah. going to drown. Oh, yeah, right. that's true. That's Just wear true. your Jesus costume. That's, I'll wear it, yeah. Yeah. I'll wear my Jesus costume. But, uh, yeah, that's my fit. So I'll hand it over to Paul, and he'll share his wonderful fit. My wonderful fit is uh, also related to VBS. I, I couldn't miss out on uh, such an opportunity to speak to the fun we're having this week. But uh, I thought I would brag a little bit on, on the youth of the church, uh, some of them are some of Stephen's active uh, members of the Crossroads Youth Group, and, and just uh, just celebrate how incredible they are as leaders and, and just human beings and, and uh, Christ followers. Uh, throughout the year, you know, most of the time you're, you're around youth, you're, uh, you're watching them in the capacity where they're essentially the kids, and they're around a teacher or a coach or a Sunday school teacher or or Stephen, and, and their job is to be goofy and, and just, uh, um, you know, try and learn some stuff themselves and grow, and, and uh, they're recipients of whatever's going on. But during VBS, we have the opportunity to see them in, in leadership roles. Each of the youth that participate are, uh, are leading a, a group of younger children around and helping them uh, experience the, the day and, and all the different stations and making sure that everybody's uh, safe and, and cared for and having a good time. And, and it's always a blessing for me to watch the youth of, of this church um, and how incredible they are with some of the younger kids, uh, the bonds they develop with them, how uh, 
uh, just the, the, how, how compassionate they are for those who uh, maybe are, are struggling and, and how much they want to ensure that everyone has a, a great time and truly is learning and having a, a good experience. We have some some uh, little ones who have special needs and, and uh, just especially heartwarming to, to watch some of our youth um, really go out of their way to make sure that those uh, younger kids, especially those with special needs, are, are included and uh, have all their needs cared for. So uh, just a, a, a moment to uh, just celebrate the youth of the church and, and parents uh, of youth um, who should be proud of, of the kids you're raising. Uh, Stephen's hard work to contribute to that. Um, so just a moment to celebrate celebrate our youth. Great. Um, no, I, you just took that right out of my, right, right what I was going to say, but you said it much better. I don't think you're going to say it because <laughs> I first, did say it, right. And all you wanted to talk about was <laughs> games and getting wet. And, right, you know, I, right. I just felt Maybe like it's it, just the trauma of getting wet that I know it's coming. and <laughs> Your just, mind is... right. Yeah, that's what it is. We'll go with that. Um, just so before we get started into our uh, part podcast, um, which is part two, of tough sayings about Jesus or tough sayings from Jesus. Um, this is just a public service announcement that this we won't be recording again for the next four weeks, I believe. Yeah, roughly four. Three weeks. Three to four weeks. So there's going to be a summer break, summer gap. There we have family vacations coming up. We have. People, mission, trip, mission or... trips, yep. I have family coming into town. We have, Paul's got to get his tan on on the beach somewhere. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't tan. He just burns, literally. Uh, so. Freckles connect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's, we're going to be coming back um, again in late summer. So, um, we're looking forward to um, starting up new series. Looking forward to almost like kind of a, the next season of, of podcasts, lessons, and series. So, um, yeah, that's just a heads up before we get started. So we would share that here at the beginning. Excellent. Yep. Are we ready to rock and roll now, Stephen? Yes, we are. So uh, we're going to cover today three of the uh, toughest sayings of Jesus, just uh, different points in his ministry where he had some sort of teaching or, or concept he put out there um, that uh, really was uh, was confusing, maybe in some cases shocking, um, uh, maybe uh, just uh, appeared to be in the moment very um, just uh, hypocritical or or just uh, way out there and, and things that really um, deserve us to take some time to wrestle with them and try and uh, dig dig deep and discern what Jesus is really trying to say and, and um, in all of them, I think it's important to recognize context, uh, of course. Uh, you can't just take these verses individually and, and get a sense of what Jesus is trying to say that leads to disaster. Uh, but also, you know, as is the case with everything in Scripture, I think um, we need to evaluate what Jesus is saying, what God is trying to do with uh, the entire body of Scripture in mind. So, um, if we see a, a particular passage where it seems like Jesus is saying or doing something that's harsh or, or uncharacteristic of who God is or, or um, you know, something of that sort, it's, I think it's important for us to, to challenge ourselves, not to jump to conclusions and, and just kind of uh, assume that Jesus is, is actually intending to be cruel or, 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 or uh, 
just uh, saying something that goes against everything else he, he has said or, or uh, professed. And that we challenge ourselves to take the whole body of, of uh, work of Scripture and, and Jesus' character and what God is trying to accomplish in Scripture and, and use that as a, a kind of a measuring point and a, a tool to help us discern what's going on. And, and if something seems to be in conflict uh, with who Jesus is, then chances are we're, we're not understanding it correctly and we need to dig deeper. So we're going to do a little bit of that uh, today as we hone in on these three passages um, for each maybe there's one or two verses in particular that that are uh, the ones that um, cause you to uh, <laughs> cause you to stumble or, or step back in shock um, but we're going to read a little bit of the context make sure we get the full context of what's essential around them so uh, all three of these these passages happen to be in the gospel of Matthew which uh, Stephen and I found interesting um, didn't realize that Matthew was was uh, the, the troublemaker of, of the four gospel writers, but uh, it seems like between last episode and this one, um, a, a good 60-80% of the passages we're covering are in Matthew, so Matthew uh, put some doozies out there. And, uh, today we're going to uh, start with Matthew chapter 7, so if you happen to be at a place where you can have uh, that passage in front of you, um, or uh, you know just have access to it so you can glance at it as needed, might not be a bad idea. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 6, Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, When all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and churn and tear you to pieces. So um, that's uh, uh, six verses we're going to throw out there and, and uh, break apart for a few minutes here. I think um, some of us are already familiar with this, especially with the, the concept of um, essentially, I think in the KJV version, judge not lest you be uh, uh, judged first. Uh, this concept that we shouldn't judge others um, when we ourselves are uh, not exactly flawless. Uh, but it's verse 6 that kind of uh, throws a, a wrench in the works where Jesus talks about uh, not giving dogs what is sacred, not throwing our pearls to the pigs. And I'm thankful for our podcast because um, <laughs> so often it, it's caused me to look at some of these passages and really try and get an understanding uh, for them. When in, in the past they've been passages I've struggled with but really haven't had cause to put the time into uh, to, to make sense. So. Uh, that was the case for this passage for sure for me. Um, I always, be perfectly honest, I, I read it and I read all of this uh, talking about uh, pigs and, and dogs and I think my initial reaction was always, okay, you know, Jesus is it's getting fired up here. He's, you know, he's tossing around uh, names and he's getting feisty and he must be really uh, upset and this is, a, this is one of his um, uh, passages where he's trying to maybe put somebody in their place or help them uh, see their own uh, see their own 
just uh, waywardness and such, and, and, and I think that's partially true, but um, as I broke it down this time, put a little bit more time into it, I, I recognize that the, the, uh, the reference to pigs and dogs here is not intended to be demeaning. He's not calling anybody uh, a name. Um, he's making a, a metaphorical reference to something about a pig, something about a dog in, in our um, uh, relation to them that can instruct us. Uh, when it comes to this passage. Uh, so, um, having that set aside, so I can stop just making assumptions about the passage in, in that respect, I, I tried to look at it with uh, fresh eyes, and I'll, I'll throw out a couple of concepts, uh, and then I'll give Stephen a chance to chime in, and maybe I'll come back and uh, correct whatever he says wrong. You know, <laughs> <before> the, uh... <laughs> yes. So, uh, just so we have a plan, you know, a map of how we right. approach it. But, uh, but I took uh, the, these six verses to be really a summary of, of um, the issue of, of spiritual immaturity, um, both for ourselves and, and working with those around us. So when Jesus is, is telling us not to judge others, uh, not to focus so much on the speck in somebody else's eye, we get a plank in our own, I think um, he's, he's bringing attention to one of the biggest stumbling blocks when it comes to our personal relationship with God and our, our own pursuit of righteousness, which is our, our tendency to, one, compare ourselves to others, and, and two, focus on the, the faults of others um, and, and get all worked up about them and, and want to uh, just pile on other people about uh, things that, that they're not doing uh, perfect or sit around and, and talk about them, maybe even more so than to them, about how they're coming up short rather than focusing that, that same energy on uh, improving our own uh, pursuit of God and our own relationship to God. And I think that's really what, what verses 1 through 5 are all about, um, is you know the, the, the first and, and most important thing we should uh, focus on is our own righteousness. Um, are we right with God in our relationship with God? Um, is our heart in the right place? Are we really pursuing Him um, with with integrity and purity? Or uh, have we gotten too caught up in, in this world and sometimes the, the ugliness of, of human dynamics and relationships and allowed um, other people that are intended to, to bring good into our lives to give us a chance to live in community but have we allowed kind of the downside of having you know human nature within ourselves and those around us to pull us off course so verse one through five i think is this this warning uh to us to um not fall into that trap uh, that it's really at, at the core at the foundation of everything is our relationship with god are we right with god put ourselves back in the, in the garden of eden where it's just god and us, you know, in relationship, the world around us, uh, no other people to get in the way. Do, you know, do we have that that aspect of our uh, of our faith in in a healthy place, um, such that we're not allowing uh, people around us to, to uh, get in the way of of our righteous pursuit of God? And then verse six, I think, builds upon this concept. Uh, of verses 1 through 5, that, hey, you know, check yourself. Uh, you're going to um, you're gonna be tempted to uh, stumble because of the people around you and allowing um, your judgment of them or their criticism of you to, uh, to become your focus. So knowing that that's a thing, when we get to verse 6, it's, hey, um, you know, 
make sure that you understand that uh, not everybody is in the same place in, in their walk with God. Some people struggle with that. Some people struggle with other things, other stumbling blocks when it comes to spiritual maturity. And so we need to know that and have that reality in place when we engage people um, and make sure that we're not um, approaching people uh, or expecting things out of people. Maybe they're not ready to, uh, not ready to give. Jesus uh, talked once, uh, I think it was Jesus in, in the Gospels, about um, spiritual food, how you know some people are uh, should be ready to receive solid food, but essentially they're still like babies, you know, sucking on the bottle. They're, they're just not there yet. Um, they haven't reached that maturity level. And so Jesus approaches people in his ministry different ways, depending on what they're ready to receive, how they're ready to be engaged. And I think in, in general, that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, to focus uh, or to, to uh, be intentional about how you approach people uh, because they're, they're, they are uh, in different places when it comes to their own spiritual maturity. And I think we, we can break that down a little bit more, and maybe I will, but I want to give uh, Stephen a chance to jump in and, and get us maybe back on track here. What do you got for us? No, I, this is kind of actually going to kind of uh, um, leap off what you kind of just said. Um, I like here, I'm looking at... Um, I did some research for this, and I do have study Bibles with me, and um, this study Bible is the um, NLT study Bible, um, but I like what it says for verse 6, and this is kind of how I've always seen this passage, um, is that it says um, for verse 6, it's futile to try to teach holy concepts to people who don't want to listen or will tear or only tear apart what we say. We should not stop giving God's word to unbelievers, but we should be wise and discerning in our witnessing so that we will not be wasting our time. Um, so just a little bit, of, I feel like what that makes me think of and kind of a, a example would be like um, if you've ever talked to someone. So sometimes when you talk to someone about faith, they don't really want to listen or learn. They just want to prove their point. So you can tell that they have before you even start saying anything, if they find out you're a Christian, you can just tell that they're they're kind of waiting to say something after you're done speaking. So, like, if you're there, not saying you don't witness, it's just that you got to be wise in what you say because, for actually for their own good, because what you say, you want it to be heard. You want it to be something that's internalized. You don't want to just share something to them that is just going to completely, they're not even going to hear what you're saying at all. Because they have an agenda, they have a way of speaking that that, and their attitude, their thought process, um, at that time is just not ready to receive the precious pearl of God's word. Right? It's not ready to receive the precious pearl of the gospel. So, in some ways, you have to when we're addressing people who don't really want to be receptive, you you gotta kind of kind of have to speak to them in a way that helps them open up. Um, to be more receptive, speak in a way that helps them open up to be more willing to hear what you really have to say about the gospel, about Christ's love, about his forgiveness. Um, so I feel like there's times when you can just be sharing the gospel, but it's just not, they're not receiving it. They're literally trampling it over it and not actually hearing the good news that you're trying to speak. So it's using that discernment and wisdom and how do I speak and witness to this person in a way that's going to be receptive to them and not in a way that they're just going to tramp over the message and not receive um, the words that you have to say or the God's words that we have to say to them. So um, that's kind of kind of how I see the passage. 
along with what Paul was also sharing, seeing the passage also in the context of judging others. Yeah, I, I, the image that came to mind for me is, uh, uh, so, you know, my family doesn't, we don't eat steak a lot, but it is like the, you know, the, the uh, grand uh, pinnacle of, of uh, meal uh, options for us, you know, every once in a while we pull the steak out of the freezer. And, um, uh, you know, I learned early on, I don't even know if I ever made the mistake, I learned from other people's mistake, but you don't waste a good steak on, you know, on your eight-year-old kid <laughs> right <laughs> like my kids uh, to this day you give them a, a nice piece of meat and they and they're dipping it in ketchup you know, <laughs> or, like ranch yeah. dressing <laughs> and um you know if you're not a, a steak lover or maybe even meat eater you may not be able to to uh, appreciate this or maybe it's a there's a different um image that comes to mind for you but uh, but it just, it makes no sense to, to put <laughs> something that, um, you know, perceivably valuable and, and right. uh, uh, meaningful in front of somebody who can't appreciate it, isn't right. ready to, right. to appreciate it. Right. And so, as I try to apply this concept, you know, looking at Jesus as, as an example throughout his ministry, uh, he was very intentional about how he approached, approached different people. Um, the crowds as a whole... And we can start to start to think as I share this how this would apply to us as a church, others, us as individuals. When Jesus was speaking to the crowds as a whole, uh, maybe which is kind of this, similar to us as a church, uh, communicating via um, the, our website or, or uh, uh, you know uh, social media content, or, or maybe uh, to some extent our, our live stream or you know we're reaching out to people as a whole. Uh, you know, to the general public, and, and we don't know where people are at. Jesus, in that case, was was very intentional about how we approach them. Um, Jesus didn't go into great depth uh, when it came to the spiritual concepts he was trying to teach. Sometimes he would drop a, a parable on them, and, uh, and, and but he would know that they weren't ready to really understand it. So he just kind of dropped the parable and, and then walked away and kind of let it uh, let it simmer in their minds and, and hope that it, he was planting a seed for down the road when they were in a better place to, to make sense of it, that it would be a nugget of wisdom for them. Uh, when it came to the, the crowds as a whole, he uh, spent a lot of his time doing uh, miracle, working miracles and, and healings, uh, feeding them, you know, interacting with them in a different way. Jesus didn't do that so much when he was with his inner circle of disciples uh, because they didn't, they didn't need to experience uh, a miracle or a healing in order to be open to God's word, but the, the general public did. So Jesus's approach to his larger audience was different. Uh, there were times when he, um, he didn't uh, translate his teachings for them, but then he would pull his disciples aside afterwards and say, hey, by the way, you, you remember what I just taught? Well, this is what it means, because he knew they were in a place where they were ready to receive it. Maybe for us as a church, that's uh, uh, it's equivalent to our, our small groups and, and Bible studies when we have an opportunity to take some of the deeper uh, concepts and subjects of our faith and dig um, a little bit more intentionally into them, or maybe even some of the more divisive uh, topics that maybe it, it wouldn't be wise to try to make sense of and, and uh, really probe in a, a sermon um, with a, a larger audience, but we can we can accomplish a lot more in a smaller context or with people who are in a different place spiritually and, and uh, you know better equipped to go deeper, have more of a foundation laid. 
that Jesus, even with his inner inner circle of disciples, he had, uh, I think, three of them pretty consistently he pulled aside to experience things like the transfiguration. He took them up on a mountain and revealed himself um, you know, with, uh, with Moses and Elijah and, and uh, God speaking from the skies. And, and uh, that was an experience he intended just for those three because others weren't there yet. Others were not ready to experience it. And then, you know, even at uh, the Last Supper, Jesus is, you know, laying out all these incredible concepts, uh, taking his, his last few hours to, to drill in some teachings to his disciples. Even in that moment, uh, I, I encountered John sixteen twelve. Jesus says, guess what? You know, I'm at the end of my days here on earth. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm not going to be with you anymore. But, you know, by the way, there are things even now, after three years of ministry and everything that, that I've taught you and showed you and explained to you, things that you are not ready to hear or understand yet. Um, and his disciples, uh, you know, had to, to wrestle with that. So I think the point in all of this is as a church and as individuals, um, we need to be uh, wise when we approach other people and not hand, uh, you know, a nice steak to a five-year-old, not, um, you know, not be um, trying to, to probe deep into issues with somebody who is just at a place where all they, they really need is to experience God's love. They just need an encounter with God's love and God's grace. Um, and that's where we need to meet them in that moment. I, I have a friend in particular who's a who's an atheist. I don't I don't sit around with him and and uh, just uh, probe into issues of ethics and, and morality so that he can feel um, judged or that I you know all of the 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 uh, morals that I live by because I do submit my life to Christ should apply to him and he would feel the heaviness of that. No, I don't, I don't want to focus on that. I want him to experience God's love and grace, and, uh, and those would be seeds that would be planted so that they could be uh, blossoming later in life or whenever God is ready into a greater depth of understanding of who God is and what he has in store for him. So um, all of that uh, wrapped in a nice little bow there is uh, hopefully helping you understand what Matthew 7 is, is trying to get at. There you go. That was good. Now I know uh, <clears throat> I never get my daughter steak until... Until they're, what, 10 years old when they learn to appreciate it? Well, I probably didn't appreciate it myself until I was in my 20s. Oh, there you but go. I hate to be responsible for depriving your daughters of <laughs> something that all right. Um, all right, so our next passage is, is in uh, Matthew chapter 9. And again, as Paul said earlier, context means everything. So we're going to read um, the surrounding verses. Um, so, but... All right, the one we're particularly going to look at is Matthew chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, but I'm going to start at 14, just to kind of give a context. All right, Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Um, so this looking particularly at the wineskins verse um, and uh, 
what this passage means. I don't know this passage was confusing um, for me, especially growing up and trying to understand um, what it meant, especially too when you don't drink wine or you don't know what wineskins are. Um, I wonder if people still use wineskins. I'm sure they do. Um, if any of our listeners know, just shoot Paul a text. His number is... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's have a, a wonderful text dialogue right. about wine skins. Right, right. Yeah, looking forward to Yeah, that. make sure any text has to come after 11 p.m. too, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pacific time. <laughs> yeah, Pacific time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, no, but um, looking at this passage, it's what Jesus is really speaking to here about is, is kind of contrasting the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Um, so when Jesus is speaking here, he's... I think in the in the gospel in the Beatitudes he talks about how he's not coming to destroy the law but to coming to fulfill the law. So Jesus in a way is coming to fulfill the law, but it's going to be different from what they understand and what from what they've kind of really to the legalistic system that they developed around the old covenant. So what Jesus is saying that there is a new covenant coming in which they're gonna to have to change their in a way, change how they think, change how they approach um, God, change how they approach and see Jesus, change how they approach um, their witness to others, how they approach Gentiles, how they approach Jewish laws, how they approach... So there's a lot that is about to come and about to change. And we see this too at the end of the Gospels when Jesus is resurrected. He needs to, like, Luke talks about him blowing the Spirit. I think, no, actually, I think it's John that talks about them, him blowing the Spirit on them. And actually Luke talks about the imparting of the Spirit as well that they need the Spirit of God to help understand this newness that has come after Jesus' resurrection. So this is Jesus preparing the way and using this analogy of new and old wineskins. So what he's basically saying is that a wineskin, which is, I would assume, and I think made of um, animal skin, right? So it's these. this wineskin would take the form of the wine that it's holding. And... You know, wine would have to be in there for a long time, so the wine skin will become to form that wine that it holds. But when you put a new wine into an old wine skin, it's expanding a wine skin that's kind of stopped expanding, so it's just going to burst. Um, so what Jesus is saying that he has a new teaching, a, a new approach to God, a new approach to understanding who he is. Um, and we see that, like I said, when we see that his resurrection, that he needs to impart the spirit for them to understand this newness. Um, he's saying that we need to bring in new wineskins for this new wine, this new teaching that is to come to help his disciples to understand why there's a new way, new way approaching how we approach God and how we witness and how we live for him. Um, because even when we look in the book of Acts, my, many of the early chapters in the book of Acts is them in Jerusalem trying to like, Okay, what laws do we follow? Do we still follow circumcision? Do we still follow this? Do we still follow that? That's them trying to understand this new way of living for Christ, right? And they and they talk to Paul, like, Paul, do you go witness to the Gentiles? And Peter goes witness to the Jews. And, and there's just a whole new approach um, to how they um, approach God. Um, so this is kind of what Jesus is speaking about um, in this parable that he lays out. Yeah, this is, uh, I think this passage helps um, remind me, reinforce how difficult it would have been right. for uh, yeah. Jesus' original audience to really That's embrace some of the things he was, he was laying down. Right. Um, 
I just I don't think you could under uh, overestimate how right. legalistic the Israelite um, system of, of government and, and religion was. You know, going back to that's that's why nobody wants to read Leviticus, Deuteronomy, <laughs> right, 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 because right. that is the the summation of. Um, of what religion was, what what uh, Judaism was to the early Israelites, and it was all about, uh, you know, laws and and rituals and traditions, expectations, um, and they're, they're you know, I think um, I often maybe uh, have to remind myself that it doesn't mean there was no heart, there was no uh, spiritual component. Of course, mm-hmm. there was in, in the Old Testament. Um, and, and you see evidence of that very blatantly in some places, you know, where, uh, like, I, I know there's a passage where um, amidst all the laws and rules, God goes out of his way to say that, guess what, righteousness isn't just following the rules and laws. Uh, Abraham, you know, passed the test when he was willing to uh, sacrifice his son Isaac, and it was his faithfulness, his faithfulness in that moment that, uh, that made him righteous in God's eyes. It wasn't, you know, completing any sort of uh, formula or, or ritual. Um, so, you know, it doesn't mean that um, what Jesus brings to the table in the Gospels wasn't true, that there wasn't a spiritual and, and heart component to things in the Old Testament, but um, but still the, the language and the, the structure of everything was 100% um, legalistic and ritual. Uh, I, I would equate it to you know, raising a, a kid from like preschool through uh, graduation, uh, doing nothing but like math and science and engineering, and then all of a sudden, you know, when they graduate high school, tossing them in a school where you're you're now culinary like, school where they make steak, right? Yeah, it's all about steak. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Bringing it back around. I really got you uh, thinking about <laughs> steak today. I, that, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll notice stop by your house because I know what right. for dinner tonight. Uh, but uh, to take you know these kids that have been raised on nothing but logic and reason um, and, and mathematical formulas, you know, math and engineering and such, and then all of a sudden throw them in a classroom and say, okay, now we're going to sit down and translate uh, some some Shakespeare, or we're you know we're going to learn about we're going to read uh, on Walden Pond and and or or Henry David Thoreau or. You know, we're going to start um, digging into these, uh, you know, more heartfelt, uh, emotional engagement type pieces and, and start thinking theoretically and, and uh, uh, emotionally. And, and it just the kids would be like, well, it doesn't compute. You trained me, you taught me, you drilled it into my head that it's all about numbers and formulas and equations. And now you want me to, to tell you how I feel about something or you want me to you know, to, to embrace something on the inside and not care about how I'm acting on the outside so much, you know. So I think uh, Jesus's audience was just uh, just really confused. Um, and, and, you know, it's much easier when we understand that background uh, to understand why they had such a hard time embracing and why really it took a couple of generations before people really caught on and were able and willing to see these new concepts uh, and, and bring them to light. Um, so I think this is this is really the background of, of what's going on here. And uh, I, like Stephen, really struggled with the you know the the shrunken patch on uh, on um, you know new clothing or whatever it is, and and the old wineskins and the new wineskins. I couldn't make, especially in the context right after we 
we finish um, talking about John's disciples and fasting, you know, how um, wineskins had anything to do with that. <laughs> but um, I think it's, it's all about Old Covenant versus New Covenants. And to this day, I, I don't know that I have a, a clear sense or a clear way of describing how the two relate. And this is a debate that's uh, tossed around all the time is, does Jesus fulfill uh, the, the Old Covenant? Does he fulfill the Mosaic Law? Does he replace the Mosaic Law? Uh, what, um, as Jesus, as Je- I almost called you Jesus. As, uh, <laughs> I was well, Jesus, Jesus today. Today so in VBS. It's an yeah. honest mistake. I get it. No, no. It's, it's really growing on me. <laughs> there you, know, you go. That image of, yeah. Um, I should but wear I know it you too well. Uh, so, as uh, Stephen was saying, um, no, I lost my. <laughs> but uh, what's that saying? Uh, new wineskins, old wineskins. Yeah. Yeah. And new old covenant, new covenant. Yeah. Which uh, that was it. So uh, which which aspects of the mosaic law should persist? Like, what is still law? What are the expectations for the people still? Uh, do I still have to not mix two types of cloth in my shirt, or do I still have to? Um, not eat uh, things that have uh, blood uh, in them or you know so I think that there's a lot of confusion around this and, and Jesus you know if he really wanted to he could have sat down and probably covered this a little bit more thoroughly and, and uh, you know thrown his, his uh, audience a bone here and helped them out but I think uh, that wasn't his intention he wanted them to wrestle with it and I think our, our takeaway um, is that uh, we, we need to focus on what Jesus, the new thing that Jesus is doing, uh, but do so with the, the framework that the Old Testament and the Old Covenant provides. And nowadays, you know, we're not coming into this passage like the Pharisees and religious leaders where uh, we've had our entire lives, the, you know, the the mosaic law or legalistic stuff drilled into our heads but we still have a tendency sometimes to fall back on old covenant type thinking and think it's about um have i followed all the rules have i done enough good deeds you know did i um did i make the people around me happy that kind of thing and i think the the important thing that jesus is reminding even us here today is that it's not about um it's not about the outside, it's about the inside, and everything uh, about spiritual transformation comes from, from the inside out, and not to fall back on the old wineskins, the old garments, and um, those have to be tossed aside, you know, that's not our, our measuring stick anymore, uh, God is doing a new thing, and uh, Jesus is, is the one that's going to introduce it, so... Uh, I think Stephen covered it pretty well, but um, just uh, affirming how much I have wrestled with this passage over the years and those those takeaways about uh, making sure that it's about uh, the inside, it's about who we are and not what we do, what we accomplish, whether we necessarily follow all the rules every day. Obviously, that's our goal, but we should be um, accomplishing what we accomplish and, and uh be ethical and moral to the extent that we have been transformed from the inside and and that's where those things should come from so with all that being said anything else you did i uh no i think that give you a chance okay covers it up so we got one passage left uh we're going to press on in the book of matthew thank you matthew again for being (laughs) so uh controversial uh matthew 15 skip ahead a few chapters verses um 21 
through 28 is what I'm going to read for you. And it's, it's really the last couple of verses that are the most, um, I'll use the word alarming, <laughs> alarming or, or just uh, baffling when it comes to what, what exactly Jesus says here. But of course, we need to start a little earlier to get the, the uh, feel for what's going on. So let me read these aloud for you. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. All right. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So, uh, <laughs> so to those who thought that Jesus was nothing but this uh, sweet, kind, gentle, you know, never um, said a, a cutting word or, or uh, you know, never uh, called anybody out on anything or never challenged anybody, um, here is, is what Jesus has to say. Uh, first, he ignores this lady. Then uh, he tells her, sorry, you know, I'm not here for you. I'm, I'm here for the people that count, the people that matter, and you're not one of them. <laughs> and then he says, he basically refers to her as a dog and says, it's not right to take uh, the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You know, so you're, you don't, you're not worth uh, my time is essentially how it comes off. So no wonder uh, that this is one of the more challenging passages and, and challenging um, uh, statements, sets of statements that uh, Jesus ever speaks. Um, and, and it's a doozy. First of all, a couple of things that are, are shocking that I kind of already hinted at. First of all, he, he ignores, initially when she approaches him, Jesus completely ignores this woman, acts like she isn't even there, like he doesn't even hear her. Um, and then uh, after that, he seemingly reinforces the, the prejudice that existed uh, which the Jews insisted that they were God's chosen, only ones uh, good enough to receive God's blessings. And, and Jesus, who in so many places in the Gospels goes out of his way to, uh, to uh, uh, shoot this down, this concept down, and, and, and fight against it, here seems to reinforce it by telling this woman, well, I'm, I'm only here for the lost sheep of Israel. And uh, as, as this woman is from Tyre and Sidon, um, she is not uh, Jewish. She is uh, most likely Gentile. And so uh, that's why Jesus' statement would make sense, even though it comes across as, as rather alarming. And then if that's not enough already, he, he goes on to refer to her and all of uh, her fellow Gentiles or all of her people as dogs. Uh, so if, if we just take this, you know, a surface level, um, it's easy for people, no wonder people want to criticize the Bible, criticize Jesus, uh, it, it would be easy for people to just uh, try and make the argument that Jesus is a horrible person, Jesus is awful, Jesus uh, is cruel and, and uh, prejudicial towards people or, or whatever uh, the case might be. It'd be possible even for, for people who aren't, um, 
you know, that secure in, in their faith, um, but do have a faith to, to have their faith um, squashed or, or have a setback in their faith when they read something like this because they don't know to look for the larger context or to, they don't have the full body of, of work of Jesus' character and all of Scripture to measure this up against. So this is where um, we really have to be wise. We have to be discerning. Um, if we're going to follow Jesus, it just can't be a casual, you know, on a side hobby, uh, or else we do. We get pulled off track, and and uh, can, our faith can be shaken by uh, things such as this, which can happen to even people of strong faith, but uh, much less frequently. So uh, context, context. We said this over and over. Context is important. First of all. Um, Jesus's comment that he's not here for the uh, anybody other than the lost sheep of Israel really doesn't uh, doesn't make sense to take that at face value because Jesus is is not in this moment um, preaching to and trying to reach the uh, Israelites. He has left um, the region of uh, the Jews and he's gone to speak specifically to the Gentiles. So Jesus is in a, a totally different region than he's ever taught in before. He's almost on like a mini mission trip just to go out of his way to reach the Gentiles. So it really doesn't make sense that he would go there to where there's nobody but Gentiles and then stand there and tell some woman, oh, well, I'm really not here for you. You know, it's like me going to uh, Cincinnati and saying, well, you know, I'm on a, a mission to save all people from Cleveland. And they'd be <laughs> like, well, you know, what are you talking, what are you doing in Cincinnati then? And I'd be like, I don't know, but, uh, you know, what would Jesus do or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so it makes no sense. So we know there's got to be something more going on here. Um, and then he proceeds to refer to her as a, a dog. And, uh, and, and it seems like he's adding even further bite to his remark here. He's putting her down. He's demeaning her and her purpose, or demeaning her and her people. Um, so what in the world is going on here? We, we're still left wondering, what, what is Jesus' purpose? Um, and I have a, a few thoughts. Uh, anything you want to chime in with, Stephen, before I speak some yeah, you can, truth? Yeah, you can keep going. Keep plowing on. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I think it's important to, to note that this is a passage that's going to be highly debated till the end of time. Uh, most most Christians have enough faith and trust to know that uh, we can't take this at, at face value. There is something more going on, but what that is is, is uh, up to your interpretation. One interpretation is that Jesus maybe is testing this woman to see if she truly had faith in Jesus, faith in him by by seeing if she would get defensive when he brings to the surface some of these old prejudices um, and uh, whether, whether she truly has the humility and the courage to, to have to confront those uh, concepts and those hurtful concepts and still uh, profess and demonstrate a, a faith in Jesus Christ in that moment. So basically... Uh, Jesus is like poking, uh, poking and prodding her, trying to see if, if she would fall prey um, to some of the superficial stuff that, that her people around her and so many people of that day and time did, um, or whether she saw Jesus as, as something uh, higher, something, um, something otherworldly, which she demonstrates that she does. She, she recognizes that the uh, um, Jesus is genuine and that, um, and, and that Jesus really was there uh, out of love for her and she professes her faith in him 
and uh, Jesus meets her where she's at then and, and uh, brings the healing uh, that she requests. Another possibility quickly is, is that, um, <clears throat> and it may be either or or both of these, but this, uh, this kind of uh, charade by, by Jesus is intended as a demonstration for his disciples. Um, this is something that's often the case. Sometimes Jesus' interaction with one person isn't about that person. It's about the people who are watching, who are standing around. Uh, we're in the middle of a, a sermon series right now on Joseph, the story of Joseph in Genesis. And one of the concepts we covered last week was a lot of the things that happened to Joseph weren't just about Joseph. When he had good times, when he had bad times, of course, he was supposed to learn something from them. But um, the people around him, the people of Egypt, his brothers, his father, were all intended uh, to be recipients of, of God's wisdom through what Joseph was enduring. So maybe Jesus' words to this woman were meant uh, to accomplish something with her, but also to be a, a demonstration for his disciples. Maybe Jesus trying to show his disciples how intentional he was and go out of his way almost to exaggerate how he was trying to reach the Gentiles. And really, uh, he was almost saying the opposite of what he believed, that, that it really isn't just about the lost sheep of Israel, that Jesus is, how preposterous it is for him to say that when he's standing there talking to a Gentile. His, his point was to, to show his, his uh, disciples, his followers, guess what? It's not about you guys. So if that's what you're thinking, which the disciples clearly were because they told Jesus just to toss this lady aside, she wasn't worth their time, Jesus is making a point to, to demonstrate that they're wrong, uh, that, that this woman is just as important as, as anybody uh, that they would have met in a, in a Jewish uh, region that he would have taught in before, and that Jesus wanted to see, uh, wanted his disciples to see how emphatic he was about reaching this woman, giving her a chance to prove how courageous and faithful she was to be a positive example for them, uh, that they that she had actually achieved something that his disciples had not. She was not prejudiced. She was she was not uh, looking down on other people because they are of a different nationality or thinking that they weren't worth uh, Jesus's time. You know, she she saw uh, on a higher plane than that, and Jesus wanted his disciples to see that in in action and to then hopefully emulate this woman or learn something from this woman um, that they didn't expect to learn. And at the end of the day, whatever the case might be, this woman's uh, genuine, her authentic faith, her gentleness, her humility, her persistence uh, won the day. And whatever Jesus was trying to accomplish, whether for her or for his disciples and onlookers, uh, he did accomplish because the woman um, rose to the occasion and said and did exactly what she needed to in that moment for Jesus to accomplish his goals. Uh, yeah. I agree. Sweet. Um, <laughs> so the only thing I would add to that, um, there's not much to add. The only thing is, um, as I'm looking here at the study Bible, it kind of goes along with what Paul said, and that's good, because um, I'm always testing Paul by my study Bibles. So You know, I wrote um, that. I wrote that one. <laughs> you wrote that yeah, one, right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, so I'll just read a little portion. This kind of goes along with what Paul was saying about the different contrasts. So it says, Jesus was not... Um, downgrading the woman by using the term dog, he was re reflecting the Jewish attitude so as to contrast it with his own. Um, so the woman did not argue. Instead, used, instead, using Jesus' choice words, she agreed to be considered a dog as long as she could receive God's blessing for her daughter. Ironically, 
Many Jews would lose God's blessing and salvation because they rejected Jesus, and many Gentiles would, found salva- would find salvation because they recognized and accepted him. So, as Paul was saying, I think Jesus was using this term as a way to reflect the Jewish attitude towards Gentiles. And even, the thing is too, like, even if a Jew, again, we have to continue to think of context and that this is ancient world stuff, so it's different, um, when they say dog, it, it wasn't always, don't need to think of it as like, when we call someone a dog, it they, it was just a term that we used as someone who was just non-Jewish. Um, so what's also interesting too is that she was a Canaanite woman, so she was the ancient ancient enemy of the Jews mm-hmm. as yeah. well. So, um, But yeah, the, the, using this term, I think Jesus, I think Paul said one interpretation was seeing Jesus testing her and I and I do agree with that that he was testing her and and her faith is also similar to the centurion's faith as well who also had a, a child sick and um, I think Jesus as well tested him and and he showed like Jesus was amazed by his faith which is also very interesting in this very uh, people say Matthew was written to the Jewish population to the Jews um, which is um, not he was written to particularly to the Jews, but also written for us as well. Um, but what's interesting is that these two places, the centurion um, soldier and this Canaanite woman, Jesus says is, is amazed by their faith. And it, which is amazing because there's not many times in the gospels where he's amazed by Jewish faith. He's, he's amazed by Gentile faith, which is this very interesting, um, different contrasting between the two. Um, even though Jesus has come to reach the Jews and Jesus has come to reach the Jews in order that the Jews can reach the Gentiles, right? So it's not Jesus isn't reaching the Jews so they can keep the message to themselves. He's reaching the Jews so that they actually fulfill what they're always meant to fulfill is be a light unto the world, which was actually said way back in the Old Testament. So um, we need to think of God is always meant to save Gentiles as well. There, there was not this God didn't have the Jews as excluded people and they he didn't want the rest of the world. He didn't care about anyone else but the Jews. No, he cared about the Jews so that the Jews could be his people to the world to share the message to the nations. Um, and Jesus is actually coming to fulfill what the Jews didn't do, right? So Jesus is actually fulfilling what the Jews failed to do and um, and giving the message to the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, I hopefully um, what we've said and hopefully what we shared about these last these these three passages and what we shared in our last podcast have been helpful to our to you, our listeners, and hopefully it's um, helped expand your understanding the word. And, and Paul and I by no means are scholars, so we I really, uh, in the words of Reading Rainbow, go take a look. It's in a book. There, there, <laughs> <laughs> there are many books out there that share and speak about these passages that give much more detail much more insight and wisdom than what Paul and I can give here on a, on a podcast in less than an hour. So uh, hopefully this is encourages you to 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 further read. Um, and also, I know there's many passages that may not be confusing to Paul and I, but could be confuse, confusing or hard for you to understand. And uh, hopefully what we've done here can set an example um, for how you can um, dig into the Word of God and learn more about what it says and not taking it off right off face value. Don't be quickly offended, but actually just try to read the passage and see what what it's trying to say and allow God to open your heart and your mind to receive it. So thank you all for listening. And as I said earlier in the podcast, we're going to be taking a couple weeks, probably up three to four weeks off. 
um, because of mission trips and vacations and and tons of things going on. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll see you. We'll see many of you in church and stuff. But um, we'll be back on the podcast again soon with um, new um, new podcasts, new topics, and uh, new yeah. encouraging words. New encouraging words. There you yes. go. Thank yeah. you. And uh, we'll see you all soon, or hear from us soon. <laughs>